I don't, I don't know that I buy this in terms of, oh, well, people are losing their faith and, and is that sad? So I, I don't really think that. I think that people are going on journeys that they need to go on and, for good reasons, uh, instigated by the Spirit, mm-hmm. and that God really does walk with them. So this is not, you know, God stalks you whether you want God or not, you know, you, (laughs) you must still be a Christian. That is not what I want to say. It's much more open-ended than that in terms of like, Hey, I, you have to walk this road of disillusionment and despair all the way through. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to follow that wherever it takes you, but hopefully like raising the possibility of, Hey, what if this actually is a spiritual journey? What if this is what it's like to walk with God is to, follow these feelings all the way through to some kind of new life on the other side that doesn't have to take the form at all of something necessarily that you've experienced before. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 129. Our guest on the show is Jonathan Martin. He comes back after a couple of years and we're talking all about this idea that that the journey away from the holy place, journey away from God maybe, the journey away from where we thought we were, is actually the journey we need to be on. And that's the place that we're going to find resurrection hope. Uh, We're discussing Jonathan's new book, The Road Away From God, How Love Finds Us Even As We Walk Away. And it is beautiful. Both Trifina and I were deeply impacted by this message. So we talk about all kinds of things, leaving toxic spaces, finding God on the road, how the Holy Spirit speaks to our body through scripture and many other ways. So lots of fun and hope and excitement in here for you. Also, I've got a brand new book coming out. Uh, I'm not going to do a whole episode about it this time just because, I don't know, I'm busy. (laughs) Anyway, I've got a a new book a new men's Bible devotional that's coming out called Mornings with God Daily Bible Devotional for Men. That will release on July 5th. You can already pre-order it on Amazon. If you head over to the show notes for this episode, jonathanpuddle.com, you'll find the links to that book. Please go and order it. It's really great. I am so proud of what I wrote. It was kind of a funny thing. A publisher said, hey, we like what you did with You Are Enough. Would you like to write a Bible devotional for men? I said, nope, not at all. <laughs> and then uh, and then I did. And I think it's a really interesting way, maybe, for people who've put the Bible down to get back into it. It is aimed at men, but the gendered content is minimal. And so uh, I know already a bunch of women who are reading pre-release copies and really enjoying it. So you can go and find that wherever you find books, but especially on Amazon. Mornings with God, Daily Bible Devotional for Men. By yours truly, Jonathan Puddle. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into this fun, fun discussion with Jonathan Martin, my good friend, all about the road away from God, how love finds us even as we walk away. I, and I will be fully honest, I go into books, especially written by men who are white. And I'm like, I'm just not going to like it. I'm not going to like it. Yeah. I loved it. In the span of the last five days, I have recommended it to everyone I've talked to. And it was everything God has been talking to me about, to our church about. You're talking about shaking. You're talking about not going into places where like that you can, you have outgrown your home. I'm like, oh my goodness. Everything, every thought that I've had in the last 10 days, you spoke about. So I do really oh. feel like it's a prophetic voice for this moment, at least wow. in my life. So that's thank so, you. That's huge. Oh my gosh. That's, and it like, I still get it. Cause I, one of the things I've wrestled with, honestly, in this culture moment is this like, do I have anything that I feel like I really need to say? Is that, that, that helpful? Because, you know, I, I just so legitimately do believe that um, it's a time, broadly speaking, uh, when the church in particular needs other voices. So I don't know, they're just, I have sensitivity around it, mm-hmm. you know, and not like, so it's it just, I'm, I'm really thankful that that feels like it, it connects. Cause I hope it would reflect, you know, the ways that I'm, you know, continue to learn and grow and be on, on that kind of journey. But the idea of like, I don't even, I'm kind of like, Oh, like, 
dear God, does the world need another book by they do. a white evangelicalist person? So, you know, so. And you know what? You did an amazing job amplifying voices in that space. Like even going back to Reverend Otis and like calling out different voices and different mm. like frameworks of thought, I thought was so helpful. So no, I really, really honestly appreciated it. And I would not tell you I appreciated it if I did it. So. Sure. Sure. No, thank you. That's uh that's, that's a, a huge deal to me. So. Awesome. When you were on the show two years ago, I remember saying to other people who, some of whom didn't know you, I'm like, I feel like Jonathan is like, I think after we connected, it confirmed for me the suspicion that I've had that you're like the older brother that I didn't have. Mm. And uh, there's just such a alignment in our stories, what you've grown up in. And this book, The Road Away from God, like the sheer amount of ridiculous charismatic stories that you share <laughs> meant so much to me. Like a guy who once took Jesus on a date on Valentine's to a restaurant <laughs> and ordered a meal for him and fully hoped that it would just disappear, but it didn't and had to be left with what do I, how do we write, what do we do with this at the end of the night situation? Like the, the audacity of following the spirit and of having that even as a, as a bedrock point of your faith and then enduring the hardship of life. It just, it spoke to me at a very, at a very deep and visceral level. Uh, so thank you for being boldly yourself in what you chose to include. <laughs> well, thank you for making me feel less weird because you didn't like, I feel like, you know, it is, it's like those things are so particular to have the Valentine's story, but then to live some life and all too. And it kind of, and so, you know, when you try to talk about all that together, you just know, like, is any, is that going to converge for anyone else? Or is everybody going to be like, we don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> this this thing I think of is, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words because, because this is a book that really spoke to me at a heart level. Mm -hmm. And I've got questions and I've got things that I, I do want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. But I think just as I'm even processing the impact to my life already, I read this quote this week from Cornell West, which was actually on a meme and it was mis. I went and searched for his original words. And basically he said, Dr. Dr. West said, as a Christian, I'm never surprised by evil. I'm never paralyzed by despair. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that, that rocked me because I am constantly surprised by evil. I am often paralyzed by despair. And, and I feel like the, the faith deconstruction, this moment that we're in, like that was 15 years ago for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not wrestling with my faith. Mm -hmm. I'm wrestling with life having lost its shine. Yeah. Ooh, wow. That's like, that's where Jonathan Puddle is at right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what you and some other, not to put too fine a point on it, but I feel like this is what some millennials need from Gen X. If I can use these labels, mm -hmm. like, like we were raised by our boomer parents to be kind of like, we, here's the best, you, you, we want the best for you. So go get a university education. Everything's going to work out great. You're going to get a job and things are going to be fabulous. And then uh, you, you can chase the next stage of the prosperous dream. And I think my generation is just stuck going, this didn't work. What do we do next? Mm -hmm. And so when some of our older, wiser uh, Gen X brothers and sisters are like, well, we've been depressed for 30 years and some of us found hope. So yeah. let me tell you how it works. Mm. And I feel like that's what, that's what this book did for me. Mm. Wow. That's, that's really profound. It's interesting. Even the idea um, the, of finding anything that works and sharing it. Cause I think, and I don't know, um, I mean, I'm for one, just being so ADHD and knowing that uh, learning that ADHD, oftentimes you're four or five years behind developmentally in certain ways. And because I just so feel like that, that's part of the weirdness of my life. It's like I'm, I'm 44 and this sense of, oh, it, it, it feels more like 23. It's more like a, I, I don't really know how to be in the world right now. I'm really, really trying to sort this out. And um, it's somebody, I'm just glad that <laughs> that that lands that way, because I think so much of sort of the world as it was given to me has been uprooted in that way. It does feel like a lot of just, I don't know, just, just experimentation and trying to figure out how exactly to what to, how to sort these stories and how to disentangle all this stuff. I mean, that's still, you know, been fairly 
real time for me in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm just so thankful that, that that's connecting on that level. Can you walk us like in a nutshell through some of this Emmaus Road message? So I've been watching you piece it together, I guess, kind of in real time, as you said, as a, over, on social media. And, and it was already landing for me. I'm like, wow, yeah, when you leave the Holy City, yeah, you, you are surprised by who you find on the road. So I wonder if, like, just boil this whole beautiful thing down to a few minutes and hit us with it. Well, I think the, um, so the short version for me, and this, uh, this story has been so electrifying now for a couple of years in a way that just, I just keep finding my journey in it, the journey of people that I love in it. Um, and it's interesting because it's only like 13 verses. I mean, you don't sound like this, not like there's a lot there, but it feels like it's sort of, and I don't even mean this to be uh, hyperbole. It feels like it sort of contains every story in a lot of ways. It's kind of Garden of Eden, then walking away. It's kind of, but what I, I, what I love the most about it and uh, where it's kind of just been, um, I don't know, sort of screaming at me the last few years, this is seeing it through this lens that the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, for whom, because we don't know why they're going to Emmaus precisely, we don't know if their homes are there or Emmaus is en route to their homes, but I think theologically and literarily speaking, um, Jerusalem's definitely home. And that being the place that's, uh, you know, as Jewish people understand themselves to be part of a reform movement within Judaism, honoring Jesus as Messiah, they're not thinking of themselves like Christians yet or whatever. I mean, Jerusalem's the center of the universe. And the idea that the place that had been the holy place for them, this sacred space, now being the same place where they've seen Jesus of Nazareth killed, um, my, my sense of it is, my reading of it is, that for them walking away from Jerusalem is to ostensibly walk away from God, especially since, as we find out in the text, you know, they're just convinced this whole thing is over and uh, just hasn't worked. So um, this idea that, because of course, for people who are familiar with the story, um, a stranger comes and walks alongside them, who turns out to be the resurrected Jesus. And I've just found it to be such a, such a life-giving vision, this idea of Jesus as the God who walks with us, even on the road away from God. And, uh, you know, it's like so many people that I think that we know and love uh, have been on quite the faith journey the last few years. And, uh, and of course, here in America, I mean, I guess all these things have been true forever, but 2016 following being such an apocalyptic time, so many things being revealed, it, it's just given me a very different lens on the road that almost everybody I care about seems to be walking in some form or another. And it's there's this tension because I don't want it to be, um, I don't want it to feel like spin. It's not, I'm not trying to be optimistic or glass half full. That story has really reshaped how I see a lot of this in terms of, uh, I don't I don't know that I buy this in terms of, oh, well, people are losing their faith and, and well, is that sad? Or something. I don't really think that. I think that people are going on journeys that they need to go on and for good reasons, uh, instigated by the Spirit, mm -hmm. and that God really does walk with them. So trying to kind of shift the attention to not in a way that overwhelms people into feeling like they have to believe something that they don't want to believe, but at least maybe um, help kind of guiding people into the question where might God be on the road that I'm walking as mm -hmm. opposed to any of this, like, you know, any version of circling back or trying to recapture a thing or being shamed because you left something that, you know, you needed to leave. No, no, like no, God's on the road that you're walking now. Where is God on that road? And what might God be saying that, that, that for me is really the heart of the, the heart of the book. I love it. It's so real. Like you said, it, it's so, so many of our journeys. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know like how you respond to people in the one-on-one, -on -one, because I think I've, I've been coming, I've been intuiting what you're saying, but I'm so conflict averse. I'm, I'm often like not sure how to st strictly respond to someone. So I was, I was at a, an outdoor club thing a couple of years ago, pre-COVID. And, and I, I bumped into this guy on the beach dancing who I knew from church days, like way back. It was a, the randomest encounter. And he just kind of immediately broke down and was like, yeah, I lost my faith. Wow. And 
And I didn't really know what to say to him. And I had this, like, I wanted to kind of acknowledge, yeah, it looks to me like you are heartbroken that you lost something precious to you, but you also seem ashamed. Mm-hmm. And I would like you to know that the father has not lost track of you, yeah. but I had, but I had, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I think I gave him an awkward hug and I moved off to dance elsewhere. Mm. So I know you talk to people like what, what, how do you, when the listening portion transitions to the moment for Jonathan to speak into someone's life. Mm. What are you saying to people? Well, I think, um, goodness, what a great question. And, and I, I feel like I'm, I, yeah, I find myself saying a few different things. I mean, one, one of it is I, what's, I love what you put your finger on in that story because it's interesting how many people, I don't think I've thought about it quite this way before this moment that might even externally be like, yeah, I'm done with that. And might even be so far along as to be like, F all of that, burn it down, but also still have such deep internalized shame Mm -hmm. that like where it's kind of like, yeah, where there's this sense of, I I can't, I can't be in these spaces, but I still feel kind of bad that I can't, or, or like I'm doing something wrong because you know, when you've been connected to a community for a long time and that community, I mean, all of us get a sense of identity from our communities. And so when those folks relate to us differently, um, so I just think that creates a unique kind of angst then, you know, where there's this sort of, well, um, this is kind of the road I have to be walking, but I'm not even sure how to feel about it. So, what you know, what really in terms of what I'm, tr- what I find myself saying a lot right now, and I know I go here a lot in the book is that, and I don't, it was so the sweet, the thing you're saying, but kind of an elder brother, um, because of the way all of this, again, you figure this out in real time, I never think of myself as like, oh, like elder or something. But what I have come to really believe is powerful. Um, we, nobody needs some kind of external authority to do this for us technically. But I think when people give us a sense of release and permission, it becomes like a temporary marker until we we realize oh i can give myself that kind of permission so i feel like a lot of what i've uh, found myself doing really is trying to just to just to affirm like hey the 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 journey that you're on is the journey that you need to be on and -hmm. instead of all this doing this whole diagnostic where it's if i would have made this turn rather than that and it's no no the road that you're on is the road that you need to be on in a way that gives people permission to walk where they need to walk as opposed to, cause I, yeah, I just feel like that, that experience of kind of going a certain direction, but then also a lot of second guessing when you have this deep kind of religious wiring, I, I just think that's often how it is. You don't just, uh, you can, you can, if you decided the next day, uh, I'm, I'm an atheist. I'm like, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm done, whatever. That wiring is such, you know, to where like, it's, it's complicated. It is so complicated. This is what I've been wrestling with because for at least for those of us who have grown up in the church world, right? And you talk about the, this internal wiring. If you have had this in your body from a very young age, from before you were born, all of that, like the level of unsecure attachment that you carry and the level of shame you walk through the world in. So then you're you're attaching yourself. You're allowing all these negative things to attach of like, okay, well, I'm not like, I'm good enough. So the power of you even like normalizing the journey, like, hey, you are allowed to actually, you're supposed to be on this journey of questioning. This is actually maturity in your walk is so powerful because I think the amount of people who are quote unquote walking away are actually protecting their bodies for the first time. They're like, no more. I'm not going to identify with the shame um, that's being placed on me. I'm not going to allow it to attach. And so I, I really appreciated the empowerment in how you spoke about it of like, no, this is a huge act of courage you're going on to walk away and like god is with you in it it's 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 very significant right now Mm. i so appreciate you saying that and i I, I think that just idea of the way that we carry things in our bodies and and it's part you know part of this is why it's not um as neat for me either it's just again telling people giving them some easy prescriptive of like well here here's how you can find faith on the other side. I just think, you know, I think especially when you're in that stage where you're trying to figure out how to protect your body and your soul 
And that's, that's, a, that's a very tender thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's like, I, I find myself, I just keep thinking about this so much and some of the conversations I've had in the last couple of weeks, not actually in response to any pushback because I haven't had pushback this way. No one has, is making wow. me feel like the, the book is saying this, but it's like, I, I feel the need to give such a disclaimer of, this is not, you know, God stalks you, whether you want God or not, yeah. you know, you, <laughs> you must still be a Christian. That is not what I want to say. It's m- much more open-ended than that in terms of like, hey, I, you have to walk this road of disillusionment and despair all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to follow that wherever it takes you. But hopefully like raising the possibility of, hey, what if this actually is a spiritual journey? What if this is what it's like to walk with God is to follow these feelings all the way through to some kind of new life on the other side that doesn't have to take the form at all of something necessarily that you've experienced before. So just, but, but wanting to give people space, like wherever you are on that road is, is, is truly is okay. I've, that's been like kind of a tightrope to, to walk in a lot of ways. Definitely. You wrote in the book, God was present with you in the naive safety you had in the place that you came from. Mm. But God was also present in the restlessness that stirred you to leave. And, and then I think, yeah, the, the, the piece then that follows, which you wrote at a later point in the book, we have to leave the house of God in order to encounter God in the wild and to truly know there is nowhere God is not. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate that clarification you just made, because if your picture of God is still violent, misogynistic, retributive, now Jonathan Martin is telling you there's nowhere God is not. Yeah. So like, you're pretty much screwed, son. Right. <laughs> um, that's, that's not the gospel. That's not good news. That's, yeah, that's yeah. in fact, bad news. Yeah. But uh, if God is generative, generous, self-giving, other-centered, sacrificial love, Yes. And there's, you know, even if I make my bed in Sheol, mm. even there your love will find me. Yeah. That was exactly our experience, my wife and I, 15 years ago. It was leaving the house of God to encounter God in the wild. Yes. It was like the whisper from the bush being like, hey, I'm out here. Come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, you know, you, we go through those stages, right? And I, and I feel like, I went through a big stage of if God is saying he's out here in the wood, in the wilderness, then it means he is not in the church anymore. Right. And I, and I went very black and white and I took my, yeah. I guess I took my fundamentalism with me. Sure. Sure. As we do. Uh, <laughs> as we do <laughs> until suffering breaks us down. That's right. That's right. No, it's kind of, that's been that, that, that also, boy, and it's taken me a long time to get there. So that's been like, this is not something I say in an easy, like trite way. But for me, actually, it's become kind of important to say, and I, this is not a way of trying to, um, again, assert for people who've had really toxic experiences mm-hmm. that they need to like find something good in it. But I feel like the more I walk with, uh, you know, all kind of folks around this kind of journey, what I find pretty consistently, and this, which is why this is so confusing, very rarely do people have the experience of like, I was in this religious system, in this institution, whatever, and everything was 100% harm, and it's all fake, and I need to go. Precisely what makes it so bewildering is that you had experiences of harm and healing in the same space. So you can look back and go, oh, wait, well, here were genuine experiences of community, or here's some kind of mystical experience I had that's really was really important to me, or I got, or I got clean, you know, going to AA at this church, whatever the, whatever the story might be. And then you do feel like, especially when things get stirred up, uh, or at least I do, that you have to render a verdict on everything is, is, was this good or was this bad? And so I would love for, for folks to have a sense, like, it's actually okay to say it, it has been both of those things. And some of this was like unbearably toxic. And I, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I was there. Can't believe I survived that. But then also have permission that if there are things that you need to take with you, that, that it's okay to do that. It's okay to say like, but, but these experiences were precious to me or these relationships 
actually did help me to get from here to here, even if they're not serving where I'm going now. And, and it's just be all right to acknowledge that all, all of that's in, in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you shared a story about uh, a pastor doing some kind of ultimatum <laughs> and you walked up. <laughs> and, and I had, a, again, a visceral reaction to that because I was like, I have got my card stamped and mm-hmm. I have played the party line yeah. against my better conscience. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I thought it's what I needed to do. I'd just been trained to honor the leader mm-hmm. and, that, that, and that, that my conscience was subordinate yeah. to the leader. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like you said, giving that permission to be like, mm, maybe that's as crazy as you suspect it is. It's interesting you bring that up too, because that wasn't in the initial draft. Mm-hmm. And my editor pushed me a little to say, you you know, you do this whole, like, what sets you off on the journey? And you don't really talk about yours. Yeah. And so I had to sit with, okay, where, where, where do I feel like this started for me? I can't tell you how much I wrestled with including that story at all, because even though I don't name names and I do really actually kind of go out of my way to not make it like trying to shame anybody else or something, but the honor culture that I come from is still so kind of in my bones. Yeah, I really did wrestle with like, Oh, is this, is this dishonoring? Is this uncovering? Is this like, it was the thing that after the thing, the thing was completely done. I came like this close, like, uh, should I, should I ask the publisher? Like, I, I think maybe I shouldn't really run with this story. Uh, but fi- so it actually took me a bit to be like, no, no, okay. This really isn't a story about them. This is my story. This is what happened to me. This is how it's important yeah. on this road that I've been walking. But all the like hoops I had to get through <laughs> just to feel like to tell that story in print was okay. <laughs> mm. so. Well, I think it's so interesting because we come from this charismatic Pentecostal space where we instill in ourselves well there is no no junior holy spirit but yet in these moments it's like no but we carry a junior holy we we lie to ourselves that we carry a junior holy spirit because we can't question the people in authority over us who have the full holy spirit which okay so i loved how you spoke about this innate desire that we have for kingship where it's like, it's easier to, instead of doing the discernment path, it's easier to just ask for kings and ask for rules. And we look at the story of Israel and it's like, well, the rest of the world has kings to judge them. Can we just have that? And so I'm wrestling through this in my own space, right? Because I, I get that we don't want to live in a black and white. We don't want to live in like this binary. I appreciate how you held space for like the dialectic. Like we can hold both tensions. We can hold that we can see two different sides in parts of scripture and, you know, and in the parts that we interpret and all of that. But what is it in your, because I know that you also pastor a church. What does this look like in your life where you then pastor a church or you pastor a congregation? You're like, okay, so I'm going to be the wise leader. I'm not going to be the king. I'm going to give people permission to come to this journey on, in their own. So if someone was to start their own journey because of something you said, God forbid, right? Like how, do we create a culture where that is okay? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a great question. You know, and I feel like, honestly, um, the whatever the little thing is that we're doing with the table Oklahoma City, uh, almost, sometimes I feel like it's, um, it's felt almost unfair the way, because what, look, what we're doing is so, it's, it's not, it's small, it's not glamorous, it's not big, like whatever. But I feel like the thing that we have sometimes feel like it sort of fell out of the sky just in the sense that, okay, so the folks that started the table Oklahoma city, cause the, that I love, it technically started in small group form before I got there. Mm-hmm. And that included not only Nicole, but then, I mean, CC Jones Davis, who of course lives in DC now, but CC was a co-founder, our friend Malika Cox, who's unbelievable. And so it honestly, it was kind of like this community of, uh, the, uh, well, is the way <laughs> the way that we would say it, they would say it, of badass women of God <laughs> decided to do this thing, and so it was like so already in the like from the ground up. It was so communal, it was so like, uh, but because they're extraordinary people, and like we trusted each other. So for us, it's been really organic and natural to do something that doesn't have this kind of authoritarian like whatever. But I mean, it's part of it, it's such. It's just such a great group of people 
it's been very easy, I think, for us to develop that kind of sense of trust and rapport with each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know that the challenge for so many people is in the communities that they live, they haven't necessarily found those other kinds of people who are on that kind of journey that they feel like they could trust. Uh, and, and, it, and in that way, it's been so organic for us, it would even be a little hard for me to tell somebody else how to replicate it because yeah. it's like, it's been so relational and kind of come so, um, so naturally for us. But I will say uh, what it has looked like for us has been very much like, you know, we don't, we don't really do anything that's not basically consensus. It's like, we, you know, we talk about everything and if we all feel comfortable moving together, then we, we go forward. And if anybody feels uncomfortable, then we don't. But this idea of really um, trusting each other's discernment in that way, and, and not know again, not in a way that's reactive to where we're, we come from. I don't think it is that, but just in a sense of we absolutely want to make sure that everybody's sense of the Holy Spirit and what you know, what, what the voice that they hear is saying is is fully honored here, without anybody ever feeling you know coerced or manipulated. And I mean, you know, it's it's a less it's a less efficient way of doing anything. There's a reason why. I'm, that kind of evangelical stuff works because it's it's wildly efficient to have one person who hears from God yeah. who does like in terms of like systems and structures that um, grow. <laughs> I mean, it's a much easier way to do a thing. And I think that's precisely why, again, a lot of spiritual leaders would be uncomfortable giving people this much permission because when, and I, and I actually said this with empathy, um, when you have a thing that you've built and because uh, a lot of spiritual leaders I talk to are on this kind of journey and are freaking out because it's like, well, but if I talk to my congregation about this, if they knew the things I was really thinking, and I, I actually do get it. It's like, well, there's a staff and it feels like livelihoods are at stake, not just my own. So I get where <laughs> it is kind of a journey into the wild and you don't know what it's going to look like. And yeah, you, maybe 50 people, uh, 50% of the people would leave if they knew <laughs> uh, because the people, especially when people are drawn to the certainty that you provide. Mm-hmm. If you, if people feel like, you know, you pull that out from underneath them, then you don't know what's going to happen. So <laughs> But it doesn't feel like there's a ton of viable alternatives, right? Like yeah. speaking from the current pain of our lives, you know, where we've been looking at the one Canadian mega church that seems to be an example of Jesus-centric whole health and success that has been revealed to be not that. Yeah. Uh, with you know, to great pain, uh, obviously hidden pain for many people for a long time. Sure. Now public pain for many. It's like, okay, well, your options are control uh, and eventually if people leave your church because you created a toxic space, um, try to run everything really well and be a superstar, but eventually you will cause a sex scandal because you're not a safe person. Um, You know, I, I think it's like the messy, inefficient. It seems like the only option. Like I've just come off three weeks vacation in Europe and I just feel like, the only thing that matters is sipping fine wines and enjoying the company of friends and family. I don't think anything else matters. Yes. yes. Like ask me again in a few weeks, I suppose, when I get sucked back into the hustle. But I don't know. That sounds like revelation to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I think that's and, and see and that's really OK. It's that's one of the things that's so wild for me about the Emmaus Road story. And it's had me so wound up about all this for a while this idea that if if we're able to read it as the two disciples are walking away from institution, temple, church, I'm all, I, I go out of my way, of course, I don't think it's about any, leaving Judaism. I actually think this is probably the path to mature religion like anywhere. But if the idea is that they leave their community, but in the process of sharing their deepest pain with each other on the road, which is really all we know is about their conversation, is that it's full of pain. If, if if in doing that, it creates a new community yeah. where there is something very sacred about that vulnerability that happens. I mean, that's that's what I love that so much about what you're saying. It's like, hey, I've been I've been in Europe for three weeks and I think I've in the moment I found all the church I need because um, when I'm with the people I love and sharing a glass of wine and like what what more is there in this? That's part of what I love about this story so much is I feel like it's, it's kind of there. It's like the, well, the temple is with you. 
God is with you and as as you're creating this new community that comes out of vulnerable conversation. Yes. Okay. So my systems thinking brain connected with my revival background is now going, okay, is, is there now actually like an outpouring of the spirit? And even as I ask it, I think the answer obviously is yes. In, in this communal space of, of faith deconstruction of disillusionment of this whole cultural moment of the last three, two, two to seven years, depending on which communities you inhabit, right? Like you, you wrote shared, shared, okay, I'll get the emphasis right. Shared grief and longing can build a holy cathedral, a place for the spirit to dwell. Mm. And as I think about our social media followings, and all these different intersecting communities between Twitter and Instagram. I'm like, this is a big ass temple. Yeah. And I see the spirit showing up. And is this now the promised, not to put too fine a point, the next wave of revival, you know, like a million soul harvest, the million soul <laughs> harvest, the billion soul harvest turns out to be a billion disillusioned people who thought they were leaving religion behind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But this is just where my spirit was going as I'm like, hmm. So good. What might the Lord of hosts be shaking loose? Mm. Writes Jonathan Martin. What treasure buried in these depths might yet come to light? I I can't even tell you how much that resonates with me because I that feels so right. I I, I think in a way I feel like it has to be true. I think the you know, sort of the 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 flip side of it, and um, and I think we're all kind of wrestling with this too, is um, when we well, even what you, and you said this much earlier in the conversation, all the ways that you know, at first when you leave fundamentalism, you finally say, oh, like I'm now I'm just being a fundamentalist about this. That's part of where I feel like it's so important that we keep going mm-hmm. because I think. I think it is a movement of the spirit. It does feel like, a, 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 I do read it more like a revival in that way. But at the same time, uh, we're all seeing, I think people really trying to sort in real time, okay, like how does this not become another version of, if you don't agree with us on all 15 of our things, you're out, you're done. Uh, by the way, we're against the death penalty, but if, if you get something wrong like here, we will disassociate from you for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And it's, you might as well like not, like not exist. Oh, wait a second. What does that sound like? You know, <laughs> I feel like there's that, that thing is very like real too. It's like, Big how time. are we now able to create community that really does it function like those communities work? Yeah. Well, you said, you said also that pain has a way of blinding pain also has a way of blinding you to holy things. Yeah. And I thought that was very, very wise because it's easy to, romanticize suffering right mm-hmm. it's it's easy to put it up on this pedestal but but the, the it is actually a really painful disassembly yeah. and i feel like okay i don't have quite the words to say this but i feel like if we knew that our rescue was guaranteed it cheapens the deal to a certain degree right like I've, i'm thrilled i'm really thrilled about uh judge brown I'm, I'm marginally less thrilled that Biden said my next court appointment will be an African-American woman. Mm. I prefer he would have said my next court appointment will be the most qualified person, period, and then went and appointed Judge Brown. Like, like I feel like it. we have to actually fall apart. Yeah. And, and I feel like, th- in a sense, there's no guarantee. Like, it, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Jesus knew he would be resurrected. Mm. And this is the thing that I wrestle with. If Jesus, did, did he go to the grave all in with no plan B? Mm. And what does that mean for us? Yeah, just it, it seems like, like there are those on the road with us who, who take their lives. Yes. Or, or, or as David Tenson beautifully said, give their lives back to God, mm. uh, whether that's what their intent is or not. Yeah. Um, and there's a riskiness. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. There's, I feel like there's a really tenuous riskiness mm-hmm. that we 
that we would be doing a disservice if we didn't acknowledge. Like, this is not like, yes, go leave the city on your quest and yeah. a mysterious stranger will meet you and guide you back to wholeness. And that's not what you're saying. I know that, I know you you, like, you have not dressed it up like this pretty thing, but mm-hmm. I know I know I'm just, I'm sitting here looking at people and going, this guy is really suffering. Yeah. And I've yeah. got nothing to give him, right. maybe other than bread. Mm. That's really that's haunting and powerful because I like and what I love about it not not romanticizing the suffering is this idea that because I think you get to a certain point where because I do think this actually is a journey into the wild and you don't know how it's going to land especially when you're trying to dis- disentangle all the stuff that's that, like that deeply embedded in you mm-hmm. if if the idea really is something like no matter where it goes it's still the road you have to walk it's still the journey that you have to take because it's going to be the only way that you're going to find a sense of, um, of integration in yourself, of being true to what's kind of in you to do now. I actually, that's a really powerful idea of kind of this sort of, well, we're, we're actually not guaranteed. We don't really know where this is going to land, right. but Hey, you know what? This is a holy journey um, wherever it takes you because you're, you're following the thing in, the, the thing that's inside you. You're listening to, to that voice inside of you. And that has to be right, whether or not it works out. Mm. If you're doing that, how how could it be anything other than a holy journey? Mm. Yeah. But but that but that flies in the face of what we were all taught. Yeah. It's interesting because I think at least in the traditions I have come from, there's been such little value on how you feel about it, like how your body experiences it, mm. right? And so you're right; it does fly in the in the face of everything we've been taught. But I was going to say, it was, it's interesting because I think you speak about this as well, Jonathan Martin. We've got two Jonathans here. Um, where being a somewhat Christian or following Jesus, whatever that looks like, does not ensure the cancer is not going to ravage your life, does not ensure the calamity and poverty and all of that is not going to happen. And that flies in the face of what we've been taught in the way that sowing and reaping has been interpreted. Mm -hmm. right? Because we've been taught, if you do it this way, this will happen. If you quote unquote, save yourself from marriage, this, you're going to have a hot ass wife. Like I'm so tired of pastors. (laughs) Anyways, a whole other thing, right? But it's, it's really like, it's, it's, it's been taught as an equation when really all God has promised us is to walk the shit out with us. Yeah. And I'm so tired of this space where we have so many books right now on deconstruction, as long as you are going to reconstruct. So you can deconstruct, you can ask all the questions, as long as you come back to this system and structure that empowers certain people and certain ways of doing things. Versus I've really appreciated even the way you spoke about shaking, because I do believe we are in a season of shaking where we have a God who is for liberation and for redemption and this shaking is shaking all of it up mm-hmm. right like it cannot look like what it's looked like before yes god was with us in all of that and you're right that there were beautiful moments there were moments of manifestation and healing and all of it that happened but just because what i've had to wrestle with because i think how i like my own my own garbage i'm talking about trophy i'm not going to blame this on a church or a person I have lied to myself that if I feel like Holy Spirit has shown up in a situation, then mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is approving of what is happening in the situation. Ooh, right. Where those two things are not always congruent. Yeah. Right. And sometimes Holy Spirit can show up and there is still stuff that needs to change. Mm-hmm. How many, how often, and like Puddle, you and I have talked about this, where major Christian leaders their abuse scandals have come to life and people are like, well, no, that can't be true. Cause do you not see how God quote unquote used them? Do you not see how Holy Spirit's power was moving through them? I'm sorry. Who are we that Holy Spirit's power can't move through us and our baggage still not be there. Anyways, I digress, but I do really appreciate the conversation around. There is a shaking happening. There are new things that are happening. And we don't always know what those are. That's right. One of the beautiful things I love about the charismatic churches we talk about, like even in the world of manifestation, 
Like there are things in this world that eyes have not, there are things that we are going to see that eyes have not seen and were, you know, I'm butchering like the quote right now, but I think that's true even for our faith journey Mm -hmm. and for where our churches and our theology is going. Like, this is not just us, you know, screaming like chickens. I love and respect all of it, (laughs) but it also is going to be how our faith now plays out in 2022. Yes. Good grief. I, that's so there there's so much in what you said. I'm like, oh, that's so that's so right. It's uh, well in, in so many different directions. I mean, the, everything from okay, you 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 go on this journey, and I I really do believe, and it's and I'm using a story from the gospels to illustrate this, which could may, maybe can make it sound like it has to has to be a thing. But part of what I love about the story is oh, the okay, resurrection comes in a form that's so different. You don't mm-hmm. recognize it. And I feel like we always like, what? Well, oh, these stupid disciples, like none of them ever recognize it. You know? Well, I actually, no, that's, I think part of the idea is that the form of new life can be so different yeah. from what it was before. Like we we would be afraid to say that that's, that that's God or that that could be good because, well, that's, this is just so not the form that we, uh, that we expected. Mm-hmm. But I love, I just, I love everything you're saying in terms of because I, I guess maybe just because this is in real time, this stuff I've been the last couple of weeks thinking about on a different level. This whole notion of yeah, just because good things happen, yeah, doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is somehow authorizing everything. And yet, I was I I recorded this little podcast uh, when I was driving a few days ago with just my headphones in. It was just wild. I just kind of went on whatever. The thing and I and I felt like I hit this nerve because uh, it wasn't something I'd really thought about consciously before. But I was thinking about how the by the same token, in these spaces that now I would deem to be very toxic and are saying and doing all kinds of toxic things, that then you know you can hear someone within that that camp or maybe sandwiched in between a lot of ideology that's awful. All of a sudden, here's 10 minutes, here's a riff, here's a thought, here's something that's like, whoa, well, that sounds like the sound of liberation. Yeah. And this this idea, you know, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, preach the gospel to the poor, liberate the captives, all that kind of things. People stumble into liberating moments or uh, because they have had some experience of mercy. And I think what happens a lot of times is people aren't able to trust that and follow it all the way through. But it's just helping me to kind of make more sense of yeah, it is. Anybody has access to the spirit. Anybody has access to this. So, yeah, sometimes so people can kind of come in and out of that. And I think if we can just get past the notion that any of us at any phase on the journey, any time in our life, God is authorizing everything or delegitimizing everything. It's just it just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like it's what there's way more discernment involved with that. It, there's no point on the journey where you're not going to be right about some things wrong about others and still need to be like really self-critical in that way instead of, because I think we still like, you know, want to, I'm still drawn to think well, of, or, or is this one, is this one of the good people or is this one of the bad people? And, you know, it's just, not, <laughs> just interesting how much that I feel like it's still in me to do. Yeah. That's a word. Yes. Yeah. That's so good. Jonathan, I enjoyed this book so much. Uh, Something we we've run out of time for, but I just when you, when you said about the, the the arc of scripture and kind of like the the narrative direction when you you said like our affections are being shaped in such a way that we are supposed to feel bad for Esau, mm. you know, and we're meant to see these movements in scripture. That was one of the moments where I broke down and cried mm. uh, because. I just had been handed such a flat reading of this thing and everything was just about authoritative rightness. And if it was there, it was for authoritative rightness and you just have to, just have to believe in the sovereignty of God. And it's fair because God chooses it to be fair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think just that discernment piece, like you just said, there's never a point when we are not going to require discernment. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That, that rings really true for me. And in, and in actually seeing, we're, we were actually handed a scripture, holy scriptures that teach us to discern. Yes, yes. Uh, and if you are not discerning while reading, you're going to end up in bad, dangerous places. Uh, 
So that, again, right? Thank it, you. Well, like, I don't mean to go in like another like riff or something, but I'm getting this stuff up like it's just frying my brain right now. But it's kind of because I think actually we because we have we weren't given good resources to read scripture well, and then we don't trust our own instincts. Because I mean, there's, there's a thousand examples. I mean, it's kind of like okay, people read about Solomon and apparently he has this gift of wisdom. So it's like, well, God's with Solomon. Solomon's good. Like, well, actually, you read the story all the way through. Solomon's pretty clearly not good. The, the, the story, the, Solomon's not not someone to emulate. Solomon, like most of what he does, actually turns out to not be that wise and to be pretty terrible. And that's all there in the text. So when you're reading that and you feel like, well, I, did, I don't think Solomon's all that great. I don't think this this whole empire building project seems to land well, you know, that is in itself like the Holy Spirit. And I just, you know, I, I just wish that we um, felt more authorized in that way to trust our own responses to these stories, you know, as opposed to the idea of like, if there's some general sense that any of these characters in the story are religious, well, what uh, what they're doing must be all right. Oh no, like a lot of these examples then that have been held up to us as positive, are really in the in the sacred narrative the idea of like no this is actually what not to do mm-hmm. yes yeah so true so good uh jonathan would you pray for us i would love that i'd be honored and thank you i just can't say enough about like oh this this conversation is so life-giving for me i just love this feels so like it's oh this one of those things like oh, this is just this mm. is this is what it's all about for me is having this kind of connection and makes me feel so much less strange and I really can't thank y'all enough for this. So yeah, I'd love to pray. Uh, well, God, um, I just thank you for the holy thing that's happening here as our hearts are breaking open. And it just, it, it just really feels that way. That sense of uh, we're having authentic discoveries on the road and we're seeing things in each other's words that are helping us to make sense of our own stories, of our own journey. I guess my prayer right now would just be that for anybody who's listening, uh, that you would bless them with those kinds of relationships. And specifically, uh, because I think sometimes this is more what we need, the ability to discern and recognize those relationships for the holy thing that they are. And it's not arbitrary that there are these other people that we're walking with that are helping us make sense of the road. These are um, uh, these are divine messengers. Uh, these are uh, these are holy conversations. And I just pray you would give us the grace uh, to have those kind of moments of recognition that we see that when we're breaking open in this way, and when we're able to bring comfort to each other, and our stories are are helping us make sense of. Uh, and other stories, all of that. I just pray that you give us the grace to be able to see what a holy thing that is and receive it for the gift that it is. And that's this name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Trifina. Man, that was so fun. We went and recorded a B-side immediately after this. So uh, it'll be up on the podcast in a, in a week or two. Go listen to that when it comes out because Trifina and I uh, dug deeper and deeper into this stuff and we just continued the conversation without Jonathan. So, well, without that Jonathan, obviously. That's an old joke that needs to go to bed. Friends, if you are loving the show and would like to support my work, you can do that a few different ways. You can go to uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and find Jonathan Puddle at Jonathan Puddle. Easy to find. Slap a follow on me put some likes on some posts, share them with a friend. If you are in a position to support financially, go buy one of my books, You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You, or my brand new forthcoming Mornings with God, Daily Bible Devotional for Men. You can also join me on Patreon. $3 a month will get you in, and that will really help me keep this work going so i'd love for you to consider that you can also give more on patreon some folks giving 10 20 50 bucks a month and that is a huge huge blessing thank you to everyone who supports the work all right you guys love to all thanks for being with me thanks for sharing this stuff and uh let's continue on this road we're on i think we're gonna find continued hope continued life continued joy 
because God is faithful. Grace and peace to you. We'll talk soon.